Hello, hello, and hello, everybody! Welcome back for another episode. If not now, when? In today's show, I am so excited to welcome Valerie Ward to join us today. Valerie just got her MBA from UT Macomb School of Business with a focus in innovation and strategy. She's heading to Strategy and End 2024. So exciting! She was also a co-founder of Sweet Rachel, a vegan ice cream, and the nonprofit Good Work Austin. She was a mentor of Capital Factory in Austin, focusing on supporting entrepreneurs in their path of growing and scaling the business. She has personally talked, directed, and performed improvised theater for the last twenty years, and touring internationally with a troupe. Oh my goodness, what accomplishment! With that, everybody, please join me to welcome Valerie to the show. I am so excited, and thank you so much for coming to our show and meeting us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. What an honor! So tell us, how does all that begin for you?、Um, well, I knew you were telling me a little bit about your story, being in a very small, remote town, and you knew that wasn't where you wanted to stay. And I was connecting with that. I grew up in a not nearly as small, not nearly as remote town, but I knew also I didn't want to stay there.、Um, I had a scholarship to my local university there in San Angelo, but I knew I didn't want to stay there. I wanted to do more, and I think that's been kind of a theme in my life: is I always want to do more. I want to go beyond. I want to keep growing and expanding, and I think that's a lot of what drove me to start my own business.、Um, I went to the University of Texas in Austin for college, and had a liberal arts degree,、um, but I didn't quite know what I wanted to do with it. And、uh, worked for a local ice cream shop, Amy's, right after college,、um, but quickly got into management there. Started learning more about the business. Um, I knew that I didn't want to just grow within that company. I wanted more, but I was, again, I wasn't sure what or how that looked like.、Um, worked for some other small businesses in Austin, and then eventually started Sweet Ritual with my friend Amelia. How does that begin? I mean, as a fresh out of college, how do you just have ideas? Say, let's start ice cream. Yeah,、company. so it was so it was a few years out of college,、mm-hmm. and I guess we were、um, kind of our late twenties at that point. And、um, she had been working at another local business and making a vegan soft serve there. So she had a great recipe that her customers already loved. I had the experience of working at Amy's and knowing how an ice cream shop ran, kind of on the operations side. And we thought we should put our experience together and make something of our own. And I think, kind of not knowing what we were doing and having nothing to lose, in a sense, made it easier for us to just kind of take that risk and think, well, what's the worst that can happen?、Um, so、wow. we、um, we both. Kind of had some money from our families that we could put into it, and we just had big networks of friends and colleagues and acquaintances through I Do Improv. She was very involved with like throwing parties and events in Austin, and so we called upon our networks and our resources to find real estate and、um, just. Kind of get the business up and running.、Um, some of it was luck. Some of it was our hustle. And、um, we started very scrappy inside of a juice shop. And, That's a fast place. Yeah, <laughs> because people come in and they think they want to be healthy, and then they're like, "Well, maybe I'll do a milkshake instead." <laughs> yeah, and a vegan ice cream. Of yeah, of course. It's a, it's an easier sell when it's vegan because、mm-hmm. they can still pretend it's healthy. <laughs> Don't say that out loud. <laughs> because I just have a 
half jar of Jenny's ice cream last uh-huh. night, which coconut and some it's only one of the only vegan yeah. option there. So yeah. I'm all about that. Yeah. And uh and then we just started kind of growing from yeah. there. And let's talk about that. So that moment you had ideas, hey, let's start something together to actually get into the business. Is everything or the entrepreneurship exactly aligned with your expectation that moment? Yeah, I think for me, it never felt like something I had to think twice about. Mm-hmm. I always am just one of those people who's like, I have an idea. Let's try it out. Let's see what happens. Um, maybe I should be more thoughtful and careful. Um, if I went back, I would probably think through some more things starting it out. There's definitely lessons I learned. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I think having that kind of let's just start and figure it out energy is what makes it go. That's incredible. You have to find that balance between um, overthinking it and thinking it through enough. What is one thing that surprised you at that moment of the journey as you start the business? Um, I think one of the things that was very surprising in the beginning was how much it would change even from our first idea of what the business would be to the day we opened. Because mm. um, we had this very particular idea of what the kind of branding and theme and feel of the business would be with like Sweet Ritual. We're like, oh, it's going to be kind of a cheeky religiousness to it and we'll have like church pews as seating and we'll like um we'll get certified so we can marry people in the store like they do at voodoo donuts and we had this like very we were all into the ideas and the creativity of it but then as we started putting things together so much of that falls away Mm -hmm. as you realize what just has to happen to make the mechanics of the business run what has to happen I mean, you just you have to have the product and you have to like know where you're going to be and the like the practical realities and limitations mm. of what the customers want and need and what resources are actually available takes precedence over your fun, creative, I see. I see. you know, vision and dream. God, so in the beginning, you are dreaming like everything is possible. All the things are on the table to now. OK, we need make some money when you sell the product that customers yeah. want to pay for it and therefore I can see there's a balance there's a dance in that reality versus the dream world yeah you let go of some of that art part of it mm. and you have to dig more into the science mm-hmm. or the mechanics which is fun too yeah but you- I, I love you mentioned it because I believe every single entrepreneurs out there are artists yes. whether you are you know having a big vision about this ice cream or you are building this next, you know, sex company or whatever you are up to, we are all the artists in our own lane, having that vision about what is possible, what could be possible. And I think that is a brilliant segue to what happened next. Yeah. And um, and then the next evolution is you start to uncover more of that why, more of the art behind why you're doing what you're doing. So as we once we got to the point where we're like, okay, we're up, we're running, we're selling things, people are coming into the door, this is something that can work, then we started to understand more about what we were actually doing and for whom. And we realized it's not just a vegan product for vegans. This is something that serves a real purpose for people who want to connect with each other, who need to feel safe that they can take a child with allergies to a place where people are taking care of them and understanding their needs. And so we started to understand on a deeper level, it's not just vegan ice cream. It's all these other things. And how can we be more for the people who are looking for that? That's amazing. So now you deep 
a few more layers beneath the initial why about what really is our purpose, how to really serve our community. Yeah, and I like I think that's what's so fun about business and why it never gets boring and always stays interesting is because you're always. Understanding it on deeper and deeper levels, even though it's something you created, it's not always within your control. It's almost like having a child in that way, yeah. Um, because it is its own entity, and it will continue to surprise you. Or it's almost like an improv scene you yeah. create with your partners, right? You exactly. and your partner come together, and that beautiful scene just more informs that. Beyond what you initially thought. Yeah, and your customers are your partners. Yeah. Your suppliers are your partners. Yeah. Your competitors are your partners. You're all informing this creation, yeah. which is your business. It's beautiful. I love that. I can just see this beautiful visual in front of me. Okay, so tell us what's next from there, Valerie. Um, so in the business next, we kept growing. Um, we were starting to outgrow our space. We moved into our own space. Um, and I'm so proud that moment. Yes, we and we had started to get outside funding, and that was another journey. We had to get smarter about our finances and take crash courses in accounting and finance. Um, and neither of us came from a business background. We were both liberal arts and fine arts majors. And so we had to start to understand that world in a deeper way and talk that language. Um, but we met some great people, um, the people from um, Food Shed Investors, who are a great angel investment group in Austin, and get connected into their ecosystem and um, start growing. And then it almost became this acceleration of that first growth wasn't enough. We didn't think big enough when we moved into our own space and we outgrew it almost immediately. And then the next level of that was, okay, we need to grow again. So let's think bigger. But then we, I think we overshot it on the next growth. Explain that. What do you mean by overshot it? So it's, again, it's like, how do you find that balance? Mm -hmm. Um, do you mean you have too much capital? Do you have too we, much space? We like overinvested in space and capacity, and we couldn't then grow our revenue. We didn't think of how are we going to grow our revenue to meet this capacity, mm. and we didn't have a strategy for that. Mm. Um, we we were kind of learning from past mistakes instead of thinking forward to what's the new mistake we're going to make. We were correcting for an old mistake instead of looking forward into mm -hmm. what the future is going to hold. Mm -hmm. Ouch, that must be a, not an easy yeah, insight. Always, yeah, it's tough. And it's one of those things that, you know, the next time I run a business, if I do again, yeah. that's something I'll know. And it's a great advice I could pass on to other people as they're growing. Um, but at the time, it was hard to, to rise above what yeah. was going on day to day and see it that clearly. So you did not see it immediately? No, we just thought we're growing, we're growing, we're going to keep growing. We didn't grow big enough and we spent a lot of money and immediately we're going to have to spend that money again because we didn't build up enough capacity the first time. So now let's not make that mistake. But we made the different mistake, was which we over-invested in capacity without investing in revenue growth. Mm -hmm. Wow. And what's next from there? Um, and then, so as we were trying to recover from that, then COVID hit. Oh. So. Well, the timing. Yeah. That is what yeah. all that kind of unfolding for spiritual specific. Nah, that was hard because it's, I think if it's, 
you know, if one big thing hits you, entrepreneurs are tough. Entrepreneurs are resilient. I think that's a defining characteristic of somebody who wants to start their own business is they know how to adapt, to react, to roll with the punches. And I think if it had been one or the other, we would have found a way out. Um, And we had a lot of great support, a lot of great resources. Our customers were very supportive of us. But just as we were figuring out how to recover from that misstep of that overinvestment without the revenue, we were hit with COVID. And so we had to scramble to how do we take care of our staff, number one? Um, How do we protect our customers while still keeping the business open? Um, How do we continue to provide the same level of not just the product, but the community and like the service that we have been given. We spent so much money like creating a beautiful welcoming space for people to come to and then nobody was going anywhere. (sighs) And so it was just very, very difficult to to react to that. How do you reconcile all of that that moment? Mm-hmm. I imagine not just you, but many other, you know, small businesses at the time, right? Having a challenging, how do you reconcile that? Yeah. And before COVID, I'd already been recognizing that I was ready to move out of Sweet Ritual and move on to something else. Why? Um, well, I had been, we through Sweet Ritual, we had been, teaching a school to other students coming from around the world, um, showing them how to start and run their own vegan ice cream shop. I'd also been mentoring at Capital Factory. And through that, I'd been realizing how much I loved talking to other people about their businesses and that my passion really lied more in that aspect of it, of working with other entrepreneurs, working with other business executives and thinking about those business problems and less in the day-to-day operations of my own business. And so I began talking with my business partner about what that exit strategy would look like. And COVID was really unfortunate timing. Um, And I didn't want to feel like I was abandoning the business, Mm -hmm. but I knew that I couldn't just keep sticking around forever. So we talked through a lot of it, a lot about the different options, whether we wanted to shut the business down entirely, whether she wanted to stay on, whether we should try to sell the business. And she was still very committed to staying with the business. And so we together communicated about keeping the business in the best possible place mm-hmm. and, you know, putting her in the best position to stay with the business after I left and um, worked on that exit transition together. And then I went to business school. What is the timing? You probably prepared that for like two, three months. And then you had a school, August? Uh, it was more than a year oh. of talking about my exit. And that is 2019, 2020? Yeah. So I started business school in... 21? Um, yeah, 2021. Yeah. And um, we had started talking, uh, I think, at least 18 months before oh, I started wow. school. And then COVID was already happened that moment when we talk about your own personal as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And tell us what really all went down. Uh, with COVID? Uh, yes, or... specifically Sweet Rachel. With Sweet Rachel, yeah. Yes. Um, we stopped all service and just closed completely for a oh. couple of weeks when we weren't sure yeah. how long everything was going to last. Yeah. And then we had to 
um, figure out how to do completely online sales and curbside service mm-hmm. and how to keep our staff safe and what their comfort levels were with even coming into work. So all the logistics. Yeah, the logistics were you insane, know, I imagine. You know, what new software or platforms yeah. do we need to bring on? How do we communicate that to our customers? Mm-hmm. You know, um, we talked a lot with our other business owner friends. And I think this is where networks and community was so crucial because yeah. we were already part of um, organizations like other vegan businesses, other just Austin small businesses. And so we were able to collectively think about what are best mm-hmm. practices, how can we kind of create unified messages, mm-hmm. how can we share resources to best react mm-hmm. in this time. And did that help? Did all business eventually made it? What is the story of yeah. Um, so the story of Sweet Rachel was um, I left and my business partner, um, I, the sales just never really recovered at Sweet mm. Ritual. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just that double whammy of trying to recover so from the earlier business misstep yeah. plus the lost sales of COVID. Um, you know, we were able to get some support from like the Small Business Administration for loans, but it was just never quite enough. And one other thing that I think was another just bad luck confounding factor was somebody took out a fraudulent SBA COVID loan in my name um, for $140,000. And so we had tried to apply for one more loan to try to get us over that last hump, kind of, you know, wow. 2021, kind of as things were starting to go back to normal and we were rejected. And if somebody hadn't taken out that fraudulent loan, we could have probably gotten that actual loan in our name and used that money to kind of either get us through that rough patch or at least soften the landing to... Do you think it would be different? I think it would have been a different ending, Mm. for sure. Mm. And so that's just... Yeah. Is it hard to say goodbye to something that so close to your heart that you having your partner create this, like a baby we speak earlier, decades, and you have so many fans, communities, families come to you weeks, you know, years, decades... Was it difficult to walk away? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. And especially because seeing that it's no longer open, it's sad. Um, but I have to keep reminding myself, it's not a person. It's not a child. It's just, it's an idea. Yeah. And I still think of that whole experience as a success. Mm-hmm. Let's it was talk about 10 that. years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we built a very successful business um, by all measures yes. that ran really well. Um, learned so much. That experience is what allowed me to mm-hmm. be able to get into um, a great business school and now go on to a great career that's ahead of me. And um, also one thing that I really think of as a success is, as I said, we had that school within Sweet Ritual. Yeah. And we had so many students from around the world come and study with us. And I think over a dozen of those students are still running businesses now a lot of them started after coming to our school and former employees have started businesses and I really see that as the lasting legacy of Sweet Ritual yeah even though Sweet Ritual isn't open its legacy lives on in those other businesses that are thriving now now that Ritual has passed on yes 
is, yeah. <laughs> and you know, Valerie, you know this, right? In startup world, business are not easy by yeah. any means. I know today there's a lot of glamorous, you know, uh, what is movie or the, the 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 press release we watch. You know, it all sounds so exciting, all but you know, ninety nine percent of business are not going to make it, especially past two, five, ten year mark. So I imagine what happened to Sir Rachel is not you know only to you, but also many many others as well. And I'm just curious, you know, what's your advice for other founders, maybe in Similar trenches, maybe not exactly like COVID, but in a similar situation where they felt like, "Wow, maybe this is not a goal." But in the meantime, it's so hard to let it go. How do you advising her or him making that decision to say, "Are we persistent is through, or do we say, "Hey, this is amazing chapter. Let's move to the next, even better one." Yeah, I think that's always a really hard decision to make, and. I think a good way to think of it is always: is this filling me up or draining me out more? And when or if do I see that changing? Because of course, there's going to be times where you're feeling drained by it. But if you can see the way out, if you can see beyond that peak to the new horizon, then sometimes it's worth it. But if all you see is just drain, drain, drain. And the reward is still a vague someday. Then sometimes it's worth it to say, "It's not worth it for me right now." And people need to realize that we're human beings first. Yeah. And our own happiness and like the happiness of our families and those we care about is always more important than some fairy tale about. Being a unicorn or making、yeah. a big exit,、um, because that's why we're here.、Mm-hmm. Like we're here to connect with each other, to find the happiness we can in our lives,、mm-hmm. um, not to make the cover of you、yeah. know Fortune magazine. Yeah. So, what do you think you want out of that? Oh,、Valerie. that's a good question.、Um, for me, I think satisfaction and success comes in. Um, that's a really good question, and I think I've been kind of thinking over that as my life has been shifting. I just finished my MBA. Congratulations! Thank you. One of the hardest things <laughs> you probably ever done. Well, I don't know is you, but for me, it was the hardest thing I personally ever done. So hard. Yeah. But congratulations. Thank you. And um, and I'm waiting for my new job to start, and so I'm in this very kind of. Limbo, reflective space right now, thinking about what my life will hold, what meaning I want to put into it, what I want to get out of it.、Um, you know, am I just looking for a job that pays more, or what do I want my ultimate impact to be?、Um, and I think it really is about like what. What kind of a a space can I clear, and how can I connect with other people, and make sure that any kind of like lessons I've learned aren't just for my own benefit, but can be shared in community with others. Of course, I see that you are such a people leader. I think none of us. Ever existing in solos, and it take a village to rising up to build a business, to raise a family, to start whatever endeavor you after. We are all people, people, 
Yeah. And I think our success, our legacy can never live without the community, the people around us. Otherwise, there's no meaning at all, isn't it? Yeah. But what a beautiful space to be in. I'm curious, uh, Valerie, while you're reflecting on the journey, you know, what a great timing. Would you do anything differently looking back to how you build and scale sweet rituals? Would you do anything differently? Oh, I mean, there's definitely things I would do differently in terms of the business. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I talked about kind of that um, investing in capacity versus investing in revenue growth. I think that's a big thing. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Investing in capacity, essentially, you just, you know, have a too big of, you know, space at the time that you can grow into. But imagine in the startup world, right, a lot of founders probably investing in other activities not that's not revenue creation. Mm -hmm. Is it, we also see the parallel for that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, it's again, you always have to be thinking about the balance. And I think that is something that it's hard to have that perspective on mm. because you're always going to be reacting to your last mistake. Mm. And that's an easy trap to fall into. Yeah. Versus stepping back and taking a more... Just take a moment, you know? Yeah, an overview perspective. Yeah. Because everything can feel so intense, so urgent. Like, you have to decide now. <laughs> you have to make up for what went wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to You have to be the best boss. You have to be, like, the best people leader. You Do have, you to, have be... to be the best boss? No. I mean, <laughs> like, but you feel that pressure that you have to like perform, yeah. perform, perform. You have to. Why like, is that, Valerie? I think it's this, it feels like there's a zero sum game and there's only so much to go around and only the top are going to win. And I think that's a false narrative. And I think if we can let go of that and give ourselves a little more grace and a little more breathing room, and like admit that we're not perfect, mm -hmm. that we're going to make mistakes. I love that. Um, we'll actually make better decisions and make fewer mistakes mm -hmm. because I think all of that pressure to get it right mm -hmm. um, and appear like we have it all together is what leads to bad decisions, to reactive decisions to people even making potentially unethical decisions or decisions that go against their own values mm. because they feel pressured to present a certain aspect to somebody else mm -hmm. and not to act in accordance with their own beliefs. I love that. And Valerie, as a female founder yourself, have you ever feeling, whether it's you are raising capital, whether you are expanding your space, whether you are making a call that this is it. And those critical moments, do you ever felt like you are not qualified? <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually, you know, I know that there, that female founders are underrepresented, yeah. especially women of color, face a lot of barriers. But I also feel like there's a big opportunity in entrepreneurship mm -hmm. because um, there like there is gatekeeping, but there are just fewer gates in mm -hmm. a sense because the path is more direct because you are your own CEO, you know, that the only barrier between you and success is just getting to the bank, getting to that money. So what would you advise for her who are listening right now in the path of growing, maybe mm -hmm. first time raising, maybe don't have all the finance accounting background, all the things you speak about earlier. Maybe she felt a little bit 
imposter syndrome. She felt like, wow, like how can I present my company in room full of you know amazing, successful、uh, you know male counterpart? Like, what would you advising to her? I would say build your network and find your community. That's the most powerful thing,、um, because you know there's a lot of talk about like lean in and you know show up. And women can work really, really hard to be smart and capable and have it all together. And they're still going to have to work harder than men. But the more we work in community and work with each other and go around the people who would try to be gatekeepers. And build up our own resources, our own capital, our own community.、Um, the stronger we'll be, and the less we have to depend on people who would try to keep us away from those. I hear you. It's just me, Valerie, because I sense that maybe I'm just lucky. I did not meet any gatekeepers. Yeah, I actually found me as my biggest gatekeepers. Yeah, at the end of the day, the voice in my head or in a lot of us head, thinking, "Wow, like I'm woman, I'm this, I'm that." Like all those are actually our inner critic.、Mm -hmm. And you you said it so beautiful earlier that you know a lot of female entrepreneurs they working so hard they 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 are、uh, truly want to be perfect and want to be the best. You said best boss, best entrepreneur, best all the things. But maybe we don't. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it too. I think,、um, yeah, just realizing you don't have to be a hundred percent there. If you're seventy five percent there, but have、that. confidence, give it a try. So seventy five percent of the day you're leaning in, twenty five percent you're leaning back, you're laying、yeah. down. You're like、yeah. today, today I'm laying on my couch. No <laughs> perfect today. Yeah. When you said that, you're like, ah,、oh, life is good. Yeah, because I believe that there's no female entrepreneur or male entrepreneur. There's only good entrepreneurs,、mm -hmm. and good entrepreneurs build great businesses. And that is the only judgment when it comes to whether it's raising, whether it's growing, whether it's successful, whatever milestone he or she go after. I think you know it is one thing I love about business is almost like a equalizer, right?、Yeah. You see the outcome, you see the success, you see the impact. It's a very black and white measure. It's not. Uh, a subjective measurement.、Mm -hmm. Therefore, I felt, of course, there are going to be incidents that, of course, are going to be a barrier, challenges. I'm not a、um, not acknowledging those moment, but I have personal experience. Also, a lot of founders coming to in our world, I have found that oftentimes we are our biggest gatekeeper. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think there's we're talking about there's the external barriers、mm -hmm. that are real. Um, and I think community is a way to get around those. And then there's the internal barriers, which we have the power to overcome ourselves by、we、always that power. Be a little easier on ourselves. Be a little more confident in the skills we do possess, and be more honest about、um, not having to pretend like we're perfect at everything and work with each other. Yeah, our. Perfection is within our imperfection. Yeah, and so what? Twenty five percent of the time, you're leaning back. You're like, okay, today is not the perfect day. Yeah, and it's all part of a journey. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's never about the project, the check, the space, the IPO, the amazing glamorous. It's about who we are becoming along the way. Yeah, and when we make those decisions, when we give ourselves our permission to be who we are and to truth to ourselves, that's how. The rainbow show up. That's how the world shows、yeah. the grace, the beauty. Yeah, exactly. Brilliant. So, Valerie, what is next for you? Now you close this chapter. Now、mm -hmm. you're moving on. What is next for you? So,、um, I will be starting at Strategy and part of PwC in January, moving to New York. <gasps> Exciting, New York.、Yeah. Are you always 
in Texas. I've been in Texas for over 20 years. Oh my goodness. So New York will be a big change. Are you excited? I am. I'm very excited. I think people either love New York or hate New York. <laughs> so hopefully you are the first category. Yeah, I was there last summer and okay. I fell in love. So I'm hoping that continues. Congrats. Yeah. Have you have idea about what success means for you? Or what is the definition of that? And then if you are you successful today? Yeah, I think um, just, yeah, staying true to my values. And um, for me, it's always a struggle not to let myself be swayed by what I think other people want of me. Oh, that's I, so that's, hard. That's definitely um, a part of my personality is to be a people pleaser and um, to want to like perform to other people's expectations. Um, but I'm working very hard on getting more in touch with what's important to me mm-hmm. and meeting my own expectations. That is so brave to yeah. even say out loud because oftentimes we just hide it. Hopefully it doesn't exist. Yeah. And also, Valerie, you are definitely not alone. There's a book that I read. Uh, I think I shared this before. There's a nurse. She support, She's supporting a patient's last mile of their life. Mm-hmm. So essentially she's in those, you know, very severe illness that folks are just have two three months to left to leave to live and in those moment oftentimes those patients open up themselves their life to her and she have found in her eight or you know 10 years journey she have found all those men and women start speaking to her about their life or their life regret among all those men and women different culture different ethnicity different uh whether you are you have money or not all the different social economic differences she actually found there are five categories when it comes to regret, when it comes to the life biggest regret for all the people who possess. You know what is number one, the biggest regret everyone has or most people has? What is it? I'm going to reframe that. I wish I could live life true to myself mm. instead of other people's expectation. That's the number one regret that a lot of men and women possess. Again, what you speak about is not just you, it's each and every one of us. Because like you said, we are uh, people, people, each and every one of us. We all wanted to be to be liked, to be acknowledged, and hopefully to be respected in our space. And and, and that balance, like you said, being between our truth versus the expectation, coming from a place of love, like our parents, our um, friends, our family and such, there's always a balance. Yeah. Does that resonate? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we still want to be in community and mm-hmm. in relation with others, but we still, but we can't give up ourselves never for that relationship. Never. When I say never, I meant, you know, I grew up in a small community where it's a very set, specific rule about what we should want at the time when I was a young girl, when I was a woman. And I just see the life for my mother, for my cousins for my grandmother all of their life unfolding in front of me I just always knew that I can never compromise what is in my heart mm-hmm. and I believe that is a one single single light that kept that fire on my heart burning from that moment on until now and I never think that I am you know anyhow smarter than any other people in my town or my village or my family but i am the first and only person who ever left the village for my family and you know having a journey on my own on my let's call it world adventure mm-hmm. which i'm very very grateful and i think is 
because that never compromises in terms of who I am and what I want in this planet. So now let's shift a little bit uh, topic on entrepreneurs, Valerie. Yeah. You have your own journey. You also mentor so many incredible men and women through, you know, in Austin uh, ecosystems. I'm curious, what is the number one maybe advice you wish maybe your younger self, yourself know or you give out to other founders? One thing I think is really common among all um, entrepreneurs, which I was really interesting to see, um, moving out of just kind of ice cream and small business and talking to more tech founders is that all businesses have kind of the same problems. Mm, like what? And I think the most common is the product market fit. Mm. Who are your customers? What do they want? Why are they going to buy your product? And Can I, you define a product market fit first? Yeah. How do people know or founder know, oh, I got product market fit. Is it the first sale? Is it the first beta customer? Is it the first 10, 10 sales? How does that work? I think it's not even so much a metric, but just getting away from thinking as a creator of like, ooh, this is what I want to make and thinking as a customer of what do people need. Oh, I love that. So that's a shift between being an artist. This is mm -hmm. what I want to create to now I'm stepping into a science world. What do people want? Yeah. I and that. I think it's sometimes hard for entrepreneurs to make that mindset shift because people fall in love with their idea <laughs> and they want to figure out how do I make people buy my idea yes. instead of how do I make my idea suit the needs of what people are actually looking for. So what would you advise her or him if they see, oh, wow, that's me. So what do we do? What can we do with that insight? I think you have to understand your customers and that's where it starts. So um, you put aside your idea and start listening to your customers. What do they need? And not just through surveys, not just through metrics, but like you have to actually talk to them and say, you know, you have to hear things that numbers can't tell you because you can't start doing surveys until you know what questions to actually ask. And that comes through a deeper listening. Um, you know, there's that really classic story I think everybody learns in business school about the milkshake of the store that oh, sold yes. milkshakes. Yes, yes, and they yes. were like, why are people buying milkshakes? What can we do to sell more milkshakes? And then was like, well, what job is the milkshake doing? Mm -hmm. It's for these people who are using it as a meal on their way to work and they want something that takes a long time to drink. So they want it to be nice and thick and satisfying. And it's when they understood what job the milkshake was doing that they could really serve that customer segment better because they could put out a survey that said do you want a fruitier milkshake do you want a chocolatey milkshake do you want a bigger milkshake do you want a smaller milkshake they could make it very quantitative but they wouldn't that would never give them the insight of what job the milkshake was doing they had to actually talk to people and say mm -hmm. tell me about your story tell me about getting a milkshake and do that deeper listening to understand this is the job the milkshake is doing for these people. Mm -hmm. That's a great references. And I recommend each and every one of us all maybe go online, check it out. The mail says uh, job to be done, I believe. I think it's my Donald's case study uh, many, many years ago. And I think it's so important to think about it's not just a functionality about the product we are creating. It's about what job we are completing what problem we are solving for customers in a deeper level. Mm -hmm. When we have that understanding everything else become clear. 
Now you know exactly how to go to market. You know your pricing strategy. You know how to differentiate from competitive alternatives. All yeah, exactly. You understand who your competitors are and who the substitutes are when、mm-hmm. you understand that, like, as an airline, you're not just moving people through the air. You're connecting people for business meetings. So Zoom, in a sense, is an alternative to an airline because、oh、people don't need to fly on an airplane for a business meeting. They can just connect over Zoom for a meeting. We、so. shall see that when you go to New York. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a brilliant insight, and I love that.、Um, on that note, any kind of biggest mistake you oftentimes advising founders to avoid in the process of growing and scaling the business. Um, Or maybe mistake you seeing founder have been done in addition to the product market fit. Yeah, I think nothing that we haven't already talked about.、Mm-hmm. Um, I would just say for founders, like, don't be afraid to be vulnerable about what you don't know and look for advice.、Um, And、um, build community.、Mm-hmm. Like, don't do it alone. I think a lot of people feel like they need to prove that they can do it by themselves, or they they don't think to build a community around them, or maybe they see other people as competition. Yeah. But I really think so often by building a community and realizing that what benefits somebody else in your space will benefit you as well. You really do have that rising tide lifts all ships. I love that. Do you think you're gonna start a business sometime, someday? So maybe, yeah. I do. You know, I I have always had in mind that it would be great to go back to helping more entrepreneurs, helping small businesses, because I do think there is kind of a lack、um, in the market for resources for small to medium sized businesses. There's a lot of focus on those. Billion-dollar valuations, getting people up to those kind of hockey stick valuations and big exits, and there's not a lot of resources for people who want to just kind of stay small or pass on a family business. Or and I think that's a lot of the backbone of what the American economy is, and that's a lot of employers in the American economy. And so I think it would be great to figure out a way to develop more resources to help people who want to start. And maintain businesses like that. That's a great insight because I think oftentimes people only looking at what is sexy today, which、yeah. is that hockey state, that billion dollar evaluation versus you know majority of business in America are small business or medium business where they are probably cash flow positive. They have amazing EBITDA. They are、yeah. you know serving as communities, serving their employees and everyone around. And oftentimes they are not as quote unquote sexy or glamorous. Yeah. How do you advise a founder who are maybe starting a business, and for her or him to see that is it a venture backed business, is it a hockey stick kind of business, or maybe this is more like a small medium business? How do you kind of see that? I mean, I think one thing to look at is the product itself.、Mm-hmm. How well does it scale?、Um, and also, kind of what is the value of the product too? Like with Sweet Ritual, we knew that. You know, people would ask us, "Are you going to franchise? Are you going to come to my city?" But we saw pretty clearly that the value of Sweet Ritual was that we knew our customers really well, we knew our community really well, and it didn't make sense to try to grow Sweet Ritual much beyond Austin. And that's why we started a school rather than trying to franchise Sweet Ritual and、insight. lose a lot of the value by、mm-hmm. kind of. 
trying to make it one size fits all. Yeah. Um, instead, we could capture value by teaching others how to make similar businesses in other cities, mm-hmm. but those businesses could be the exact right fit for their communities and kind of pass on that ethos to others. I love that insight because oftentimes growing is not always better. That moment you have that uh, pivotal insight and that's how you decided to start school and that have changing the expansion trajectory, which is incredible. And therefore today, Rachel still pass on. Yeah. And then last thought you want to share with, you want to part with our audience who are listening today, who are maybe are small business or maybe who are entrepreneurs who are, you know, truly enjoy your story about thinking, wow, this is incredible. What is one thing that they can do today or this year, maybe make a difference in the business? Um, I'd say just... Um, think about where your strengths and your weaknesses are, and you don't have to be good at everything, um, but stay strong in where you're strong and then (laughs) hire your weaknesses is really good advice I heard. I love that. I think some people, you know, especially small business owners think, well, like, oh, I can do my own bookkeeping because it's cheaper than hiring a bookkeeper, but they don't think about the value that they bring to the business. Um, and they they don't think that they're basically paying themselves to be a mediocre bookkeeper. That's they're paying themselves insight. a very high wage to be a mediocre bookkeeper versus hiring a very good bookkeeper at um, a better rate. It's all about opportunity cost. Yes, exactly. I love that. And again, you know, truly, thank you so much, Valerie, for coming on show to uh, share such authentic and vulnerable stories. And, you know, I can just see who you are as a community leader, as a business leader, and in the path of decades, you know, growing this amazing community in Austin and now taking that learning, that insight to New York and above, whatever the <laughs> next step you're heading to. And, you know, what an amazing story. Thank you for coming to Thank share Thank you, and it's been so great. And thanks for creating uh, such a great platform for people to share their stories. What an honor. So with that, thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we do. And we cannot wait to see you all next week. Bye, guys. Bye.